Well, my dear, here we are at the end. Today's episode is the last of the Biz Women Rock podcast. And to celebrate, Chris, my husband, is interviewing me. There's a lot that we cover within this interview. And I got to be honest with you, it just concluded and I am so full of emotion. (laughs) And so it's a little hazy as to what exactly it is that we talked about, but it's a lot of good stuff, including what I would have done differently from the beginning of Biz Women Rock, what some of those low moments have looked like throughout this journey and how I've gotten out of them why I even chose podcasting in the first place, and a lot of stuff in between. I couldn't have imagined anyone better to do this interview of me because my husband has been there with me through this entire journey. And he was able to ask some really good questions that no one else would have known to ask or had some really good reflections that I know only he would have had. So I hope that you really enjoy the interview. I really want to leave you with this. Everything that I created for you all of these years has been because I have needed it. The inspiration, the motivation, the organization, the leadership, the cheerleading, the support, I have needed it all. And I knew that by creating it for you, I would be forced to step into it for myself. In order to serve you, In order to have a prosperous business, I have had to face limiting beliefs, money blocks, foundational issues of worthiness and not enoughness, and so much more internal shit. (laughs) And of course, I've had to learn better ways of doing business, better strategies, better organization, better marketing, better leadership. I am just like you, a woman doing her best to create her own abundant, meaningful journey. It's messy, imperfect, and painful, and magical, and deeply fulfilling, and worth every single second. Thank you for being here with me. Thank you for trusting me with your time and your energy. I hope that we continue to connect on the Women's Meditation Network podcast. I would be honored to be in your ears through your meditation journey. Just search for it in the same podcast player that you're listening to right now. And just know that my intention there is just as powerful as it has been here to help you see your own inner light and to shine it as brightly as you possibly can. All right, Katie, you've given me this task to put a bow tie on six years of Biz Women Rock. And as your husband, I appreciate the honor, but also I'm overwhelmed at the task. So I just want to start simply and just ask you, how does it feel to be at the end of a road that started probably maybe even seven years ago? Yeah, it was right about seven years ago. It was seven years ago that we had the Tampa Bay Business Owners Cruise and you and I both had the, we need to start a podcast idea. How does it feel? It feels very bittersweet. It feels like in the span of five minutes, I can feel really excited to put all of my full energy into the Women's Meditation Network and mommying and and allow that to like really live what I want it to be. And then a half a second later, I'm also experiencing like sadness 
nostalgia, lots of like, oh my gosh, I did this. Wow. Like a lot of self wowing, self-appreciation. Like, wow, I really, I started a brand from scratch and I brought it here and I've carried it for six years. And then a half a second later, it's also intense gratitude for literally every single one of the women who have listened all of these years and who have been a part of my community. So it's like, it's all the feelings and I'm trying to do my best to not rush out of it. (laughs) Ever since I made the announcement, it was, you know, I knew that it would be like all here living at once and I didn't want to fast forward my way through it. So it's been really, really intense. Someone's listening to this for the first time. What was the announcement? So the announcement is that the Biz Women Rock podcast and business are going on sabbatical as of today, as of the day that this show goes live. So that is after almost six years of producing the show. So I don't know if you remember, but it all happened because I had to meet up with the gentleman that taught about podcasting and I came home, told you I want to start a podcast. And then you said, what is this podcasting thing about? And I said you know, it's audio on demand, all this stuff. And then you said to me, well, I think I want to start a podcast too. Mm -hmm. And we had a fight over who would start a podcast first. (laughs) Not the first of our fights (laughs) and not the last. You you kind of won the discussion, whatever you want to call it, because I didn't really have an idea what I wanted to do, but you had an idea that you wanted to inspire women and you wanted to use this vehicle and you were so passionate. I said, you know what? I could learn a lot by being the marketing manager behind the scenes. And since you were so resolute on your vision, do you remember when that vision got solidified, like your vision for wanting to help other women? Because it was a very specific thing when we had that discussion. My vision for wanting to help women or the vision for being able to do that through the podcast? Uh, just in general, didn't you have a time in college where it all came together for you? I mean, I. I think it was my sophomore year of college at Arizona State. I think that's when I took my very first women's studies class. And I remember this actually being a really pivotal moment in my life. I I think I was 19 or 20. And in the same semester, I took women's studies 101 and gender and communication. And the two of those classes blew my mind. I, I used to describe it as if I felt like I was seeing things from the inside out and upside down for the first time. And it just got me so amazingly connected to the female experience, the woman's typical experience in this world, even though those are vastly different from woman to woman. And back in college, that looked like me sort of becoming this very kind of angry feminist in a lot of ways, but very much like seeing things through the eyes of feminism for the very first time. And so ever since then, I have just been ridiculously impassioned to want to make the world a better place for women and by women and because of women. Did you have a pivotal moment back during that time in your life where you shared that vision with your brother? Yeah. So I had said this during my She Podcast Live talk. So the quick story is that, you know, now fast forward in college, it was probably like a year or so later, I was in yet another women's studies class. And I just was sharing, you know, my brother was over. He was a couple of years younger than me, also going to ASU. And he would come over twice a week, park his truck at my house. We chat for a little while, have lunch, and then walk over to campus together. And so one day we're just talking and he's asking me about my classes. And I kind of go on this tirade about, you know oh my gosh, like, don't you see that the way to change the world is through women? Because if we each step into 
what our potential is, if we are able to relinquish ourselves from all this crap that we have holding us down, both self-imposed and externally imposed, like, oh my gosh, we could totally raise the world up. Like this is the way, this is the way through amazing world change. And I just went off about how amazing, you know, this is and how I really wanted to help women. And he just looked at me and he said, man, Kate, I feel really sorry for you, which surprised me. And I was like, why? Why do you feel sorry for me? And he said, with such a big dream, you're going to be so disappointed when you don't hit that dream, basically, is what he was saying. So I didn't really talk about it much after that for a long time. <laughs> but yes, I was very clear very early on that I wanted to do something in a way that could touch women's hearts and touch women's lives. And that was my first experience of someone else having an opinion about that that wasn't so popular, that didn't see the value in that, really. How did that impact you? Um, I shut up. I shut up my voice in that regard for many, many years. I don't remember sharing with a single soul after that for a long time about what I really wanted to do. And it really, it's worth noting the backdrop of this is that I come from a very blue collar, lower middle class family. The fact that I'm an entrepreneur is outside of the norm. That is not the norm in my family. I have an incredibly supportive and loving family. But me, you know, stating this big, like, oh my gosh, we can change the world. It's not like that that wasn't accepted in my family. It just was very, very big comparatively to what that norm, that family cultural norm really was. I mean, the impact was that like, I felt like for the first time, like I had found a voice, like, yes, like this is what I would love to do. And sort of my first interaction with someone that I loved was kind of less than inviting. So it, it shut me up for a long time. I think it was about another 10 years or so before I really mentioned that idea to anyone else. So I think so. your first business endeavor on the online side was, correct me if I'm wrong, you authored a book for relationships. Yeah, it was called Red Flags and Amber Lights, something like Relationship Road Signs or something like that. I mean, obviously a very bad title that I can't even remember. <laughs> and you created, remember, you created a YouTube channel? Mm -hmm. And we were on track to make you the YouTube expert, relationship expert. You had thousands of views. It was it was actually building up quite nicely. And then you used the book on me and it worked. <laughs> yeah, the story is, is that I wrote... So I wrote this book on how to find your true love is basically what the book should have been called. And it kind of took the approach that I take now, which is like, let me take something that has been a personal journey for me and let me break it down into steps so that other people can sort of follow with me on this journey in a very doable way. And so I wrote that book and, oh man, about a month, two months after I was done with the book, you and I were officially a couple. <laughs> I had met you during the end part of writing that book. And by the time that that book was done, like you and I were together and I was like, well, the book works. <laughs> so yeah, by that time, that was my first entree into entrepreneurship. And so that was the first time that I was like, wait a minute, I have a product here. I chose to self-publish it. I made it an online digital book and got on all the places that I needed to in order to like have this book there. But really for the first time realized, oh, I actually need to go do marketing to sell this book to like get people to that book. And so I started the YouTube channel called My True Love TV and I would give just all this relationship advice over and over. How old was I? I was 30 years old, I think. And I'm 40 now. So that was 10 years ago. And I would have these nice little videos that I would do on my iMovie computer. And I would do all these videos on relationship advice and allow that to then have traffic going back to the book. And I don't know how many books I sold, but it, I'm sure it was under 20. <laughs> Throughout that whole time, it was 
But the point you're making is that, yes, like I actually got some traction there. I actually started getting like thousands of views and it was starting to work, but I was very ignorant as far as how business worked back then. And I got frustrated that it didn't happen right away. Like, why wasn't I making the five grand a month I needed to make back then, you know, already after three months? And so I gave up. I gave up. And the interesting thing was you had videos with four or 5,000 views. It wasn't like yeah. a small amount of views, some with 2,000, but it was really building up. Do you think it was because you're impatient, but also it wasn't the right vehicle for you at the time? Two things. So number one, I was really impatient. And that impatient showed up as me self-judging myself. Like I'm not good enough. Like that was kind of the constant rolling thought in my head. I'm not good enough. Why is this not happening fast enough? How come I'm not making money with this? The other thing that simultaneously happened is you had just started Tampa Bay Business Owners. We had just gotten together as a couple. And so little by little month after month, I would sort of help you out with a couple of things within the Tampa Bay business owners. And then at some point, there was a lot to do for the Tampa Bay business owners. And so the calculations that happened in my head were, well, okay, by that point, I had quit my job. You know, I had told myself I'd be marketing this book full-time. And so I had done that for a couple of months with very slow, slow return at that point, started helping you out. And at some point, I think you and I sat down and we were like, hey, if we both put our energies towards Tampa Bay business owners, then we can really speed things up here. At least that's how I made sense of it in my head. And so I thought for a little while, like, oh my God, I could totally market this book and you know, work in Tampa Bay business owners full time. And I could totally do it all. And it just, you know, it didn't take very long for me to see that I don't do well with too many things happening. <laughs> so I just dropped that book and I got really involved with Tampa Bay business owners. And that's what ended up really taking my time and my entrepreneurial juice for the next many years. So why do you think Bizwoman Rock was the vehicle that really captivated you and you were able to put all this energy into it? I remember the moment exactly seven years ago when you and I were on a cruise and we listened to Jenny Larson speak. And if you're listening to this and you can go and research Jenny Larson's interview that I did with her years and years ago, but she was like one of the first seven-figure bloggers and she spoke and it was a very impactful talk that she gave. And the thesis that I took out of the talk was just that with the right medium, you can really impact millions millions and millions and millions. And those millions and millions of lives impacted then translate to dollars. But you know, that was really, that's part of the package, but it's really through the people impacted. And so I remember in the middle of her talk, just thinking like, here we are in a local event where I knew you and I were working our butts off, like just getting 50 people to an event, a hundred people to an event, maybe, you know, six or 700 people to an event. And here she was using the platform of a blog to be able to reach millions. And that moment coalesced with that story that you started with of, you know, kind of the conversation that you had had maybe just weeks before about podcasting. And for some reason, those two moments just blended for me. And I was like, oh my gosh, I could use the podcast to be that vehicle. And so that was it. I just saw, for me, the podcast made sense as a business model right away. I was like, oh, I could show up to this. It wasn't as intimidating as video because I didn't have to dress up. I could just, you know, I didn't understand before I jumped into it, the production, because I ended up doing Biz Women Rocks production for a few years. And that was very intense. But I understood the business model behind it perfectly. Like, oh, build up this audience and then see how I can help them and build it for them. Like that made perfect sense to me. So I think that's why podcasting 
was cool. I've always considered myself a writer. And I think podcasting and writing have very similar elements in the sense that I could have a voice and also kind of be anonymous. Like I've never really loved the idea of like having my face plastered everywhere and kind of needing to be the giant personality on billboards. Like not that I'm against that by any means, but like I really have always liked the chosen anonymity of being a writer and that your words can still have impact. And and podcasting seemed very similar in that regard to me. So fast forward six years now, you've done Biz Women Rock. Bonnie asked a question online that I think is really worth exploring. And it was, now that you know what you know now, if you were to go back, it's a given that you wouldn't change anything. But let's say you were to look back with the business mind you have now, what would you have done differently in the beginning of Biz Women Rock strategically, business-wise? I would have had a strategy. That's the number one thing I would have done differently. There were a couple of things going on when I first launched the podcast. Number one, I was working in our business full-time already. So taking on a podcast back then was a lot more than what I think it is now. It's still really intense now, but I chose to do all of my own production back then. I've had three shows a week back then for the first, I think, nine months, maybe even a year. And I was doing all of that myself. So all of a sudden, it was all I could do. And this was obviously before kids. It was all I could do to manage just the logistics of going live and keeping up with the interview schedule, keeping up with the content. I don't think that I had a plan. I I didn't have a good plan. (laughs) I didn't have a strategy, most definitely. So I think I would have... I would have definitely sat down and said, okay, what are my intentions? I didn't set intentions. All I knew is that it seemed like the perfect space to be, like where women entrepreneurs could talk about women entrepreneurship and through the lens of being a woman and all the benefits of that conversation. But I didn't have like my intentions for this RX and this is the business model I want to create out of it. I, I never actually took the time to sit down and do that. And that meant that I was very unfocused for a long time. So you did monetize after about a year or so of the show. You didn't do it right away. Why were you resistant to consulting other individuals? You had a huge resistance. I remember early on. What was the resistance of actually offering your consulting, coaching services to others? My block was that I didn't want to be like everyone else because everyone that I saw sort of in my graduating class, if you will, of podcasters, that's exactly the model that they were doing. Going out, building an audience, and then coaching them. And I just, I have a little bit of rebel for the sake of being a rebel in me. And that is not always the best thing for me. And so there were two reasons. That was one. I didn't want to be like everyone else. Number two... There was absolutely, and I don't think I would have been able to identify this at the time, but there was absolutely a sense of, I'm not good enough for that. Like, who am I? It's not like I'm an expert at business. I don't know what all these women I'm interviewing know. I was equally getting an education as I was interviewing each of these women. And even though I had been running Tampa Bay Business Owners with you, you were the main owner. You know, I was absolutely a stakeholder in the company. I absolutely was part of the leadership, but I was not the only owner. It was so I didn't feel like I had the credibility to coach somebody else through business. And then the third thing, which I said that there were only two, but the third thing absolutely would not have been able to identify this back then, but I can now was my money mindset in that I felt like I needed to work hard for money. And therefore, like money that came easily, which was literally people knocking down the door, figuratively speaking, saying, Katie, will you coach me? I think it was, I think like a month or two after I launched the podcast, somebody had asked me to coach. Oh, do you coach? I'd really love to sit down with you. And I was like, nope, don't do that. (laughs) 
because the fact that money could come to me easily was foreign to me. Uh, to me, it was like, no, I need to work really hard for money. It needs to be incredibly complex and hard, and there's no way it could happen this easy. So all those three things combined is really why it took me so long to actually make a business out of this. So when you eventually did create a business and you were humming along, can you share some best practices for anyone listening to this when you're consulting or coaching people virtually, you know, across time zones? Can you give us a couple of your best practices that you've seen work? Because you know, I don't do well consulting. I just don't like consulting people. But at the same time, you had a gift in, you still do, in structuring expectations. You're really good at managing kind of what people get out of it. I've seen you do it and it's really uh, pretty inspiring hearing you talking to your clients. Can you give us some best practices that you've developed that really helped you and work for you to build this business? So best practices from a coaching perspective, like how to build a coaching business? Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I'm gonna skip the marketing aspect and go right into like how to structure coaching clients and all of that stuff. So the number one thing is, is to understand what, transformational experience you want to guide people through. That was a big mindset shift for me. It wasn't just like, oh, hire me because I'm the expert and I'm going to tell you what to do. For me, it was very much like, what do they want and how can I be the guide to get them there? So understanding that has helped me create packages, if you will. I, I call them packages or, or offerings. And so then it got, you know, let's get really clear on like, how long will it take me to do that? In coaching, that's very typical. Like, okay, is this a six week coaching package or is this 12 weeks or is this a year together? How long will it take for you to get what it is you want with my assistance? And then what is the cadence of that? Are we meeting weekly? Are we meeting biweekly? Are we meeting once a month? And then setting expectations is really big. So usually when somebody either is... uh, It usually happens like actually before they commit to it, but it always happens on the very first session. We always have a kickoff session. And the kickoff session allows me to sort of like transmit everything (laughs) from them sort of on to me, I take notes on Evernote and I have like an Evernote notebook for every single client and then a separate note for you know each day that we meet so I could easily look back. That actually helps a lot with memory. Like every single time I meet with a client, I'm going back to their notebook and saying, okay, what did we talk about last time? Not because that person isn't important to me. It's because we all of us have a gazillion things going on in our lives. So I really like to take a lot of notes during client calls. And so at any given time, I can go back to that and look and see where were we, what do they need, all that stuff. So managing expectations on that kickoff call says, okay, well, here's what's about to happen. We have today and then 11 more weeks together or X amount of more weeks together. You want this. In order to get there, we're going to work through you know, getting clear on A, B, C, D, and then we're going to create an action plan and keep on going with that and continue to check in every single time we meet. On these particular intervals, we're going to meet and reassess and see how you're doing. So just from the get-go, it's all about staying really in tune with what it is they really want so that I don't get caught up in what I really want for them. Because what I really want for them may not be what they really want for themselves. And so my job as I show up for them every single time is to constantly sort of play business therapist, like making sure I can hear what it is that they're going through, making sure that I can extract the answers that they're really seeking and guide them to the next point that they want to go to. Most importantly, and I think, you know, as a what is your job as a coach? I mean, my job as a coach literally is just to provide focus and accountability. So it's taking away all the things that are not important that they show up thinking are important and getting them really clear on what actually is important according to them. So yeah, I mean, it's it's managing expectations from upfront, knowing what those options and packages are, and then being able to guide 
the clients down the road at any given time. And I always give clients access to me. So like whether it's Voxer access or email access, whatever it is that they choose. And that helps a lot because that helps us deal with those times in between that they feel stuck and they don't have to wait another week in order to see me. And no one has ever abused it. So yeah, those are sort of best practices for the coaching business. Six years of doing Biz Women Rock. Are there any interviews that stick out for you that really were impactful for you? And I'm not looking for long stories. I'm just looking for short statements or things that other women have imparted on your show that you still use every day in your life or you repeat to other people. I mean, all the time. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I Literally, I think 99.9% of my interviews have seriously impacted me. The one that's just top of mind right now, because I just interviewed her again, and it was very significant, was Kathy Heller. The very first time I interviewed her, I was pregnant with Savannah, our second. And I don't think I had told anyone yet. And I was, if you remember the timeline of this whole story, I was in a really dark place. And I just remember her message during that interview was very much like, you know, do what you love and everything falls into place. And she's just a very soul, deeply soul connected woman. And so that's actually why I had invited her back and was so grateful that the timing worked out that she was the last interview that you will find here on the last episode before this one. One of my favorites for me, because I get to learn just by, you know, being connected to you was early on, you had this young lady by the name of B. Arthur who was on Shark Tank. And she told you something about honoring emotions the way you honor the seasons. Yeah. And I thought that was very profound because a lot of times in personal development, it's like you're not allowed to be sad. And she was like, don't bottle it, but let it flow through you and just honor it for what it is, but then work through it. I yeah. thought that was really wise. And then I don't know if you coined the term or someone had told you the best personal development course money can't buy is owning a business because you have to deal yeah. with people. Yeah, I, I think that's pretty synonymous in all of entrepreneurial all words. Yeah, it is. I swear. I, I have had that said to me and I've said that to many people. Like, I mean, owning your own business is the best personal development course because you are forced to transform. So in the six years of running, so I want to get back to like running the business of Biz Women Rock. Can you talk about how you were able to snap out of maybe times that you didn't feel 100% optimal where you had to still put your best face forward, but you weren't feeling like you wanted to? Do you have any situations where, <laughs> you know, you just didn't feel up to par and yet you still, you had a, you have a schedule. I don't think you've ever missed. If anything, you might've delayed, but you haven't ever missed an episode, have you? Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, but not a lot. I think when Sedona was first born, I think I missed one or two maybe. And then even just this past season, I think during the summer, I missed one. Yeah, so. You're like an overachiever in six years, you missed three episodes and you remember <laughs> it like it's a hundred. Um, three episodes, you kind of missed them. Or a lot of times it's like you were off a day in your head. Yeah. I know how you are, but that's not like anyone listening to this or anyways, I, I can only speak for myself. That doesn't seem like a lot to me. Mm -mm. Can you talk about what goes on in your head? Because obviously it's a big deal for you because you remember yeah. each one. So I'm going to answer the question of how have I snapped out of like low moments and how do I still show up when I need to show up? Right, right. Is that the question? So yeah. there have absolutely been multiple dozen moments of lows, I guess, and all varying types of lows over the Biz Women Rock journey. And most of them can be distilled down to... I don't know what I'm doing and therefore feel stupid and unworthy <laughs> or I am less than everyone else I see out there. So much comparison or, you know, doing the internal work. I know that comes from a lot of, the, I mean, I, one of my core 
limiting beliefs is like, I am not enough. And so I, as a leader of this brand, have taken dips down into a number of those for a gazillion different reasons throughout these six years. And so, you know, how do I get out of that and still show up? I don't know sometimes in the hardest of moments, because I do subscribe to B. Arthur's beautiful phrase and belief system that every single emotion is worth honoring and worth identifying. And so, you know, there have been times where I have felt very inadequate and very much like, oh my, I'm just so confused and like dark because I don't know what I'm doing and I'm trying to figure this out. And yet I'm trying to sit here and show up in an hour on a live that I have to share strategies A, B, and C and pretend like I believe this and know it through and through. So it's been a lot of self-talking myself through, Katie, you actually do know what you're talking about here. You actually are really damn smart. You actually do have something to share. And even in the moments when I would still feel hesitant or self-doubtful, I would remind myself like you obviously you have people who have paid you and have seen results because of who you are and what you do. There are people who listen, who reach out all the time. I used to keep an email folder that said, I rock. And anytime somebody sent me an email, that was really nice. Like, oh my God, thank you for this. That was amazing. Or anytime anyone... I used to put screenshots in there, like anything. And I would go back and read that stuff and validate and re-remind myself, like I actually do have something here. And then I would eventually dig out of it because I would have to force myself to go into a quiet space and tune everyone else out that I thought I should be like, or that I was comparing myself to, you know, as a whole, it was just quote unquote, somebody more successful than me or seemingly more successful than me. And so I would have to dig myself out by just getting really quiet and saying, but what is the right thing for me right now? And that would eventually lead me It would get me out of, here are the 20 things that I feel like I need to do in order to keep up or in in order to break through. And no, actually, let me just focus on this one because what, what am I really good at? And one thing throughout six years, the thing that I constantly came to through that process, anytime I had a low and how to get myself out of it, I would always journal through it. And what always, always in six years, every single time would come out was, I am love, I am light. I am love, I am light. I am love, I am light. And even if I didn't know how that looked in business, even though I didn't know, maybe at times, like, what does that mean? Does that mean I'm a coach? Does that mean I'm supposed to do a membership program? Does that mean that I'm supposed to do my signature program? Like, what am I supposed to do? I would just come back to that and allow me to find solace and strength in that. Like, okay, Katie, like, even if you do nothing and you just continue to show up for your Facebook group with love and light, like it lifts them up. Okay. Even if you just continue to show up for that podcast interview, you are love and light. And that that's what it brings to every single person listening. So that was like my bare bones baseline. So now that we're at the end of your journey with Biz Women Rock, uh, the question that I think a lot of people want to know, how did you know it was the right time to move on? I just listened. When I launched the Women's Meditation Network, it was something new. And it gave me kind of a... It diverted my attention from what should I do with Biz Women Rock? Because all of a sudden now, and you now know this story if you've listened to those past couple of episodes, me explaining like what happened and why I'm going through this transition... You know, I was at this point where I still didn't know what I was going to do with Biz Women Rock. The plans that I did have didn't make sense anymore. And so now I had this new thing called Women's Meditation Network that I could put my attention into. And I just, 
I mean, truthfully, part of me probably knew back then, like, I, I think I might be done with this, but I, I didn't know for sure. I just let it sit for a long time for like a year and a half, really. I let it sit. Like, what am I going to do with this? So the reason that I knew that I was actually really done and, and my desire to stop wasn't necessarily so emotional and feeling overwhelmed was I just envisioned what my life would look like without it. And at that point, I had and have, this is the point I'm at now, I feel like I have so much to live into, so much potential with this Women's Meditation Network brand, so much potential with my time with my girls and the family that I'm raising, the very young family I'm raising right now. And the dynamics of that are so different than they were with one kid. And so I just... You know what it was? Is I I was sitting down for breakfast with Carrie Cott. She has the universe made me do it. And I had been sitting and swimming in this. What do I do? What do I do? I think I need to let it go, but I don't want to. Maybe I'll just... like. There were multiple times where I was like, I just, I'm just going to commit to this till the end of the year. I'm just going to commit to this till Q1. I'm just going to commit to this till whenever. And then I'll figure it out. And so I just kept like putting it on the sidelines there. And then I was sitting down with Carrie. We were talking about meditation and how great it is to use it as a tool to listen. And then she said... She goes, yeah, but you know what? I just realized she was telling her own story, but I took it. So it hit home for me. She said, yeah. And then I was just, you know, I've been trying to sit in meditation to listen for the answer. And then all of a sudden it dawned on me like, oh, actually I get to decide. I don't need to sit here and wait for the answer. I get to decide what I want right now. And at any given moment I can decide. And that was like a big light bulb moment for me. And I just said okay, if I can decide, what do I want? And that was when that vision came in. Like, what do I really want? I wanted not to feel the stress of needing to keep up with biz women rock all the time. I wanted to be able to have the time freedom that the business model that I had created for Women's Meditation Network gave me. I, that's what I really wanted. And I wanted the potential and I wanted that vehicle to give me the opportunity to reach more and more women. And so... That's when I knew. I was like, okay, I'm done. It's time. It's time to let that go. How has the community of Biz Women Rock impacted your life? Or how has that project, that show, you know, the whole community that you've built, what kind of impact has it had you as a businesswoman, business person, really? I mean, they've been my family. Through the Biz Women Rock podcast and after that, the Biz Women Rock Facebook group, and any of the courses that I created and any of the clients, the coaching you know, options that I have and clients coming on and the live retreats that I did, like everything that has happened because of Biz Women Rock, like I just envision it as like these, just this whole sea of beautiful, diverse women that I have been able to hug either virtually or in person. And to me, that has been like, I still, I, at some point it actually got a little challenging for me to be a coach to some of these women because we became such great friends. And it was like, oh my God, I love the hell out of this woman. So like, we're talking about so much stuff other than business because like, that's what friends do, right? Like we talk about all these areas of our lives that interweave together. So every individual who has ever listened to this show, every individual who's ever been a client of mine, every individual who's ever been a part of my masterminds, been at my live events, been a part of my virtual groups, been a part of the Facebook group, like every single one of them is such a significant person who has become a part of my heart. She's just amazing. Like she just blows my mind. And it has opened me up to like 
you know, some people say like having a virtual business or an online business can be so impersonal. I, that has not been my experience. My experience has been the exact opposite. Like it has opened up this portal for me to just connect and hug with these amazing women all over the world. So this is the final episode for Biz Women Rock. What would you like to say to a listener that's been with you for a while or one that just discovered you? What's your parting message? Thank you. Just thank you. I don't ever take it for granted that any of my listeners show up and listen to me. Like there are a gazillion other podcasts to listen to. There's a gazillion other ways for for each of these women to spend their time. And as someone who the older I get, the more I really understand how precious time is. I don't take that for granted. And so I feel incredibly honored that you have given me any of your time, whether it's been just a few minutes or whether it's been months or years of your time. Like I just don't take that for granted. So I thank you. Katie, after six years of Biz Women Rock and now the transition into Women's Meditation Network, I look forward to helping you on the sidelines and cheering you on as you help fulfill that statement you made a long time ago in college to help millions and millions of women out there. So congrats on your journey and congrats on listening to your voice. You're a unique human being. And as the father of our two little girls, I'm really proud that they get you as a role model to look up to. Thanks, babe. 